This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 283. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes to our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 283. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, mamas, before we get started, I just want to have a little real talk with you. So let's be honest. Motherhood can be soul-sucking and soul-crushing work. Now, that's not to say there aren't moments of magic, but wow, it's pretty easy to lose your sense of identity when you're wrapped up in raising humans, right? And if I'm being honest, motherhood aged me probably about 10 years in the first two months of Minnie's life. Now, it took me two years to get pregnant and nine rounds of fertility support. So I really felt like I had to be grateful for every moment that happened once he was born. And that didn't happen. I actually thought I would be living in the land of rainbows and unicorns. And to my utter shock and horror, after that baby showed up, there was not a damn rainbow or unicorn in sight for quite a while. So Vinny is six now, and I can honestly say there are rainbows and unicorns every damn day. But this did not happen by itself. It took me implementing the tools that I have used to coach women for the last 16 years to build a post-motherhood life that is full and fun and life-giving. Now, that's not to say that the unicorns don't barf every now and then, because they do. And sometimes there's a pile of poop at the end of the rainbow, because I mean, this is still motherhood. But now motherhood is motherhood on my terms. So here's the thing. Motherhood changes you permanently, but it changes you in all the best ways. So I'm going to give you permission right now. 
And I'm going to ask you to give yourself permission to be strong and powerful and capable and shameless in how you embrace motherhood and how you embrace your identity outside of motherhood. Are you in? So here's the deal. Where I work with mamas most deeply on this is over in Momentum Mamas, and that's my membership community where every week we show up together as a group via Zoom conference calls, and we have coaching sessions, we have book club, we have happy hour, we have our own private Facebook group where we're checking in with each other daily. It is a powerful community of women who want to show up and do the work and be imperfect and celebrate. And really, like that's literally our motto is show up, take imperfect action and celebrate wins. So it's really simple, but it's also really deep, really profound and really life-changing and pretty freaking magical, if I'm being honest. So I went back and did a little digging and I got some stats, I guess you could say, from some of the Momentum Mamas who've been in the group since I started it. And I asked them, what were your biggest wins from your first month in Momentum Mamas? So this is just the first month. And I want you to hear what some of them said. I went to my boss and suggested a promotion for myself with a raise of $12,000. And my boss said, yes. I started sending my child to daycare every Monday so I can have a day of self-care just for me. I left my son overnight for the first time so I could go on a girl's trip. I changed how I make choices around food. I stopped making excuses for my nutrition and I lost 15 pounds. I learned to be more mindful and proactive and less reactive, especially in parenting my toddler. I started getting up at 5 a.m. to do yoga every morning. I got a jumpstart on my business so I can work less and make more money over the holidays. This is just in four weeks, okay? So these are big things that are happening, and these are the kinds of things that happen routinely in Momentum Mamas. So if you are in a position to work on some change and improving your life and finding that place where you can be more powerful, more positive, and more purposeful every damn day, Momentum Mamas is for you. So if you want to get on the wait list, enrollment's going to be opening in just a few short weeks, and I want to make sure that you get immediate access when enrollment opens. So here's how you're going to do that. You're going to pop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash waitlist. You'll see a little blurb there that tells you a little bit more about Momentum Mamas, and then you can put in your name for the waitlist. The waitlist doesn't commit you to anything. It just ensures that you're going to get the information as soon as it comes out. So make sure you pop over shamelessmom.com forward slash waitlist so that you can be notified as soon as enrollment opens for the next round of Momentum Mamas. Hello, shameless moms. Whoo, super shameless over here today because I tried to send my super sick kid to school. Yep. I thought he was trying to get out of going to school and extended care today. And sure enough, got him to school and he barfed three times. <laughs> so just feeling like mother of the year over here. Also feeling really shameless that my biggest concern in all of this is that I'm supposed to go to LA in 36 hours. And I'm really worried that I'm going to barf on the plane, like that whatever bug he has is going to hit me like right as we're taking off and I'm just going to be throwing up for a two and a half hour flight. So I'm super paranoid about that. I mean, never, never mind his well-being. He'll be fine. So yes, I've been very much concerned about myself while my child is sick. In all honesty, he's doing just fine. But yeah, I've been laughing all day at like that I tried to send him to school sick because I have so much to do and that I'm mostly just worried about my LA trip. And I think that this is how it is sometimes. Like we make our kids stuff about us because we're still just human beings and we like to pretend that we're selfless, but really we're not. So let's just be really clear. Like I don't want to barf just because my kid is barfing. And also, oh, barfing is the worst thing in the world. And also I pee, totally pee my pants when I barf now. So it's just, it's a really ugly scene. And I don't want that to happen on a plane. All right. 
So that was like my own self nomination for Shameless Mom of the Week. But I do want to also share another Shameless Mom of the Week. So I always love reading your reviews. And this is where I get all of our Shameless Mom of the Week nominations. I love you reading your reviews. I get super excited about them. And mostly I get excited because when you write your reviews, you tell me how the show has impacted your life. And I get to see how shameless you are, which is a really, really fun way for me to connect with you and your stories and your experiences. So I really appreciate you leaving those reviews. So if you want to nominate yourself for Shameless Mom of the Week, go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, and that will pop you right into our iTunes portal where you can rate and review the show. And if you leave a review, you might get nominated for Shameless Mom of the Week. So this week's Shameless Mom of the Week is Samantha. So Samantha is a listener of the show. She's also in Momentum Mamas, and I adore her. And I was really, really excited to see her review come in. So thank you. Thank you, Samantha. You are awesome. Okay, so Samantha says, I started listening to the Shameless Mom Academy over the summer. My husband suggested I listen to a podcast instead of music on my three-hour drive to see family. I didn't know what to listen to, and I downloaded a bunch of things. After listening to one of Sarah's episodes, I was hooked. She speaks so openly and honestly, and I love listening to her. I feel like she is a friend just talking to me. And then I found out about her membership group, The Momentum Mamas, and I thought, this is it. I can actually talk to her in real life and not just listen to her. She will know who I am. (laughs) And now I feel like I'm friends with a celebrity because I kind of am. That's very generous, Samantha. Even if you're not a mom, the Shameless Mom Academy hits home for anyone who works with children. Give it a listen and share with your friends. Love, Samantha M. So thank you, Samantha. I appreciate that so much. I love having you in Momentum Mamas. And I got to say, so many people who come to me, like they'll start out as listeners and then I'll get like an email or maybe like a DM or something in my Instagram inbox. And then I'll see them pop up in our free Facebook group over at Shameless Mom, hashtag every damn day. And I just start noticing like these certain people are showing up in a lot of places. And then to have those people over in Momentum Mamas is so, so fun. And it's a place to connect. And like I am not over there with my celebrity status at all. But being part of Momentum Mamas with these mamas who want to take their investment in the shameless mom to the next level in terms of really showing up and being accountable to goals and doing amazing things together is so, so cool. And I love watching Samantha do that. And I love seeing what she's accomplished in just a couple months in Momentum Mamas. So thank you, Samantha. You are an awesome, amazing shameless mom of the week. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. So now let's dive into our content for today. This is good stuff. So I'm going to tell you, I referenced this a couple weeks ago, this concept. I'm going to be talking about the ladder of inference today. And this concept was brought to my attention at an event I was at with my friend Jessica Butts was running this really amazing event called the Front Seat Life event, where she helped people, a room full of mostly women and a few great men, kind of learn and talk through over the course of a three-day event their personality types and how you can use your personality type to really shine in all areas of your life. And one of the things that she used as an example at one point was the ladder of inference. And as she was talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like such a constant struggle for me. And I know for so many people in my community and I can apply it to so many things. So I was originally going to talk about it a couple of weeks ago and it got bumped for something else. And now I'm actually really excited that that happened because I can talk to it as it relates to everyday life and the holidays. So this is going to be good. Are you ready? You might want to take some notes. So basically the ladder of inference describes the thinking process that we go through often subconsciously to get from a fact to a decision or an action. And there's usually multiple stages, hence the concept of a ladder. So there's multiple stages or rungs that we kind of work through. And again, this can often be subconscious. So I'm going to give a couple examples. I'm going to talk kind of through some different stages that might be hit upon as you work through the ladder of inference. And then I'm going to give a couple examples. So first of all, the very first rung on the ladder where you start with this is that you have some real data or experience. So there's something that happened. And from that experience or that data, we then select certain parts of the data and experience, and then we filter out some of the others. So you and I might be in the same room and have an identical experience, but we might filter that information differently and omit parts of it subconsciously and hold on to parts of it subconsciously or consciously. So then from there, we go to the fixed meaning, which is we assess like based on what I've chosen to filter out or based on what I have taken in so far from this data experience, I'm going to assess, is this a threat or a benefit to me? And then from there, we're going to make assumptions. So we're going to think that we know what someone else's motivation is potentially in a situation. We're going to make some assumptions where we think that we know more about the situation than was probably given to us in the data or the experience. But because of our past experiences in our life or our past life perspective, we pull in assumptions that lead then to the next rung, which would be the formation of conclusions. So we start thinking that something must be a certain way based on what we've filtered in, 
what kind of meaning we've affixed to that, whether it's a threat or a benefit, and then these assumptions that we have started to form based on how this all connects to our past experiences, past perspective, et cetera. From conclusions, we form beliefs, which either reinforce our old beliefs or previous beliefs or help us form new beliefs. And then from there, we take action and we actually do something. So you can see there's like all these phases. So I'm going to give like a super simple example. A super simple example might be that you're sitting at work and your boss comes in and looks really annoyed with something. And one person might assume like, oh man, that meeting that he had with blah, blah, blah must have gone horribly. And you might think, oh my gosh, he's totally mad at me. So you guys have the exact same input, the exact same data, exact same experience between the two of you. But the way you filter information and affix meaning to it and make assumptions and jump to conclusions and form beliefs can be really, really different. And then based on that, you might take really different actions. So the one person might like go right over to the boss and be like, oh, I heard you had that meeting with so-and-so. How did it go? I can tell by the look on your face. Whereas you might think, oh my gosh, my boss is totally mad at me because I sent out this company-wide email the other day and I really shouldn't, like I totally crossed a line. So your course of action might be like, I'm going to immediately send an email to be like, I'm so sorry. I really crossed a line here. And the reality is you both could be wrong. Like it could be that your boss just got off the phone with their partner and they're in the middle of like some sort of marital struggle and it has nothing to do with either of you. But you can see how we take in information, we take in data, and then we, again, we filter it, we affix meaning to it, we make assumptions, we jump to conclusions, we form beliefs, and we take action. So now if you want to apply this, I'm going to apply this to marriage because this is what I see happening a lot. And this is for sure what happened a lot in my marriage, especially the first year after Vinny was born. And I don't feel like it happened before that. I felt like this happened a lot after Vinny was born when our energy and our like resources were low. And so I would get to the end of the day or the end of a weekend or the end of like anything, whatever, the end of an hour with my child and be like, I'm so spent. Like I have nothing left to give to anyone. And then my husband would say or do something or not say or do something. And I would immediately like lose it. And he would be so shocked. Then he would get really defensive. And then I would get more defensive. And like we had never had these problems before. We had never been bickery kind of people. We'd never been defensive with each other. But this happened a lot the first year after Vinny was born. And I think a lot of it was the ladder of inference where there would be some data or some experience and I would filter it in a certain way based on where I was currently in my life as a new, completely exhausted, overwhelmed and dysfunctional mom. And I would make assumptions thinking that he didn't understand like all the things that I was doing and how hard I was like busting my butt every day to take care of a baby. And then based on that, I would jump to conclusions that like he doesn't even care. He's not even trying. And then I would form beliefs like he's just a jerk. And then I would take action and either make a really snarky comment or not speak to him or just be like defensive or rude or silent or whatever. So like my action was never like super awesome. And we both did this, but I would say that like, it was shocking to me how frequently this happened in the first year after Vinny was born, especially because it never happened before he was born. And I was kind of like, what is even going on here? And I didn't even realize it was happening until I met up with my friend, Beth Baker. It was the first time I saw her since Vinny was born. And she's like, how's it going? And Vinny was almost six months old at this point. I said, well, it's said it's good, but like, it's really hard. And she's like, and you hate your husband, right? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Like nobody told me. Like I'm constantly just wanting to yell at him. 
And she's like, no, it's totally normal. So I, when I look back, I can see that like, this is where I was, that I was really like many times climbing these ladders and jumping to places that did not even exist. And I was making assumptions about things. Like my husband would have loved to have been more helpful, but I wanted to be like the family hero and do everything. He would have loved to have been like, let's just do formula. Like, let me just get up and feed the baby at 3 a.m. and you sleep. And I was like, absolutely not. I got this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to pump. I'm going to feed. Like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> and so there was a lot of things where I climbed that ladder of inference and made things really harder for myself. Like, I could not receive help because I was always on this dang ladder of inference, always jumping to conclusions, always creating stories. So I want you to think about where are you creating stories in your head? Because this is where we often create stories that are completely untrue. And then when we get the actual facts or the data with from another person or from like what actually happened, we feel kind of silly. So my friend was telling me the way that she this shows up for her is that she'll notice that like a close friend of hers doesn't routinely like her stuff on social media or comment on it anymore. And she'll have to call them out and be like, hey, so I'm making up this story in my head that you're not commenting on my posts anymore. And I think that you're upset with me for something. And what's great about that is that she goes to that person and instead of, first of all, instead of like assuming they're in a fight or they're no longer friends or something, she just like creates a conversation and says, so I'm making the story up in my head that this is happening. Like, can you confirm or deny? Cause I'm probably making this up, which opens the door for like a really simple conversation that doesn't have to be heated. Because I think what happened with myself in that first year after Vinny was born, things got really heated because I jumped to these conclusions. And instead of saying, I'm making up something in my head. Can you tell me if this is true? I just like dove off the top of the ladder. <laughs> like I created the whole story and then I ran with it, which never served anyone. Like it didn't serve me. It didn't serve my husband and it didn't serve the baby. It kind of just created disasters like all over the place. So another way this might happen, which I think would routinely happen. So let's just say your husband comes home from work after you one day and he's quieter than normal and he doesn't say much and he retreats to his office. So you think you immediately take your select data and experience and you start to filter and you think, hmm, he didn't acknowledge me or ask about my day or ask if I need help with the dinner or with kids. Then you affix meaning to it and think, is this a threat or a benefit to me? And you think, hmm, so he's not supportive and he's being totally self-centered and he's probably a narcissist. And then you make assumptions. He's intentionally ignoring the family. He doesn't even care about asking about our day. He can only worry about his own self-serving agenda. And then you come to your conclusion. He only cares about himself. He's an unsupportive partner. He doesn't recognize all the things that I do all day to hold this household together every damn day. Then you form your beliefs. Our marriage is in trouble. This isn't what I signed up for. My husband is a misogynist and he thinks he needs a wife to wait on him hand and foot. And then you take action by getting defensive when he finally comes upstairs for dinner or totally shutting down at dinner or pretending that nothing's wrong, but you add this event to your mental list of all the ways that he's wronged you recently so that you can save it for ammunition for later. Does any of this sound familiar? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure you're all raising both hands right now. <laughs> so this happens all the time. So let's consider like all the things that could have actually happened. So maybe your husband just lost his job and he's like, holy cow, like how do I go and break my wife's heart? Maybe your husband is going downstairs. This would be something my husband would totally do. This would totally happen in our household. And then like a week later, some like framed piece of art or something would show up 
And I'd be like, where did this come from? And he'd be like, remember that night that I went and hid in my office for a half an hour? So like he would maybe run downstairs to do something thoughtful. And I'd be like, what the hell is he doing? Doesn't he know that I worked all day long and he's not even asking that he can help? And in his mind, he's like, oh, I want to run downstairs and like do this, finish this surprise really quick so that I can give this to Sarah next week. She'll really love that. Like these are totally things that would happen in our household. So he thinks that he's like running down to do something helpful. And you assume that he's like a misogynist, narcissist, like, and that you need to file for divorce tomorrow. So you can see how quickly these things escalate. And especially if this is happening repeatedly in a relationship, you can see how it can really cause problems and be harmful. So the tool then is going to the person and saying, I'm creating this story in my head that you just came home and you went downstairs and you didn't ask us about our day. And you didn't notice that I'm doing everything and that the kids are really needy right now. I'm creating this story that like you're intentionally ignoring us and only thinking about yourself. I'm probably wrong about that. Can you just help me clarify? So kind of creating that space for this is the story I just wrote in my head. Can you confirm or deny? So that can be a very powerful way for you to actually get the information. And the thing is, when we go into my go-tos of either being defensive and snappy or completely shutting down and being silent... When you go to those places, they're so not productive and it really delays the solving of the problem. Like you can ruin a whole evening by something that could have been resolved in like a 30 second check-in, right? So where can you be having these quick check-ins? Because the thing is, when you create these stories in your head, they weigh on you and they suck your energy. Like it's all like your own personal form of torture, right? So while you're busy torturing yourself, the other person often has no idea they've even done anything that's offended you. They have no idea that you've created this story. Like they would be more than happy to clarify and make things right or like help you understand their point of view or why they did what they did or what have you. But you have to give them the space for that. And it's not fair if you don't give them the space for that. Now, of course, there's exceptions to this. Of course, if you're in like, you know, an abusive relationship or there's constant fighting and like we take in data and we climb that ladder of inference. And sometimes we are correct that like someone's treating us really horribly and we were right about that. But I want you to think about all the situations where that's not the case. The case is really that we've made something up in our head that doesn't even exist because we do that all the time, especially those of us who are really perfectionistic and suffer with falling into the comparison trap. Those of us that are quick and easy to feel judged by others, those of us that have insecurities around anything, like if you have insecurities around anything, you will climb that ladder of inference so quickly. So I will tell you, if you have insecurities about your body, the stories you will tell yourself about the people looking at you in the gym or on the beach are like completely out of control. And the reality is nobody's looking at you in the gym or at the beach. So when I first started doing hot yoga, I remember thinking, first of all, I was a hot mess in hot yoga and it was super hard. And I remember feeling like, okay, I'm in this room of 40 people. This was when hot yoga, like the craze hadn't really started yet. And I went to a very formal studio. Like there was a ton of rules and structure. You were only allowed to have two water breaks at the prescribed times. You couldn't ever use a towel to wipe your sweat off. Like it was hardcore. And I remember very much feeling like everyone in here is watching me and everyone knows that I'm the worst person in the room. Well, then as I got better and I got kind of addicted to hot yoga and spent a lot of time doing it, I remember at some point realizing, oh my gosh, I didn't even know there was anyone else in this room with me the whole entire time but I bet there was someone in here who was new tonight who thought everyone was staring at them the whole time. But when you're in that space, 
and you're not brand new, you're so focused on what you're doing that you don't even know there's other people in the room. But when you're brand new, you're thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's staring at me. And you create this whole story in your head like, oh my gosh, everyone noticed that I had to lay down more than anyone else. Or everyone noticed that I took an extra water break. Or everyone noticed that like I broke the rule and wiped my sweat off my forehead. So we climb that ladder of inference really quickly when we have an insecurity. So I want you to think about what are your insecurities and those are probably the places where you're really struggling with this. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. The things that you're not insecure about, you don't notice. So I know that in times when I have not felt good about my body, I assume that like everyone notices that I've gained like three pounds. Okay, the reality is like, I want you to think about any time in your life when you're like, hmm, I think that person over there gained like three pounds. Like you don't notice. Or if you do notice, you don't care. Like very few people actually care, you know? Like there are going to be people in your life that might be like, well, I'm so concerned about so-and-so's health or whatever. That's like their own BS. That's their own insecurities speaking there. But for the most part, no one is caring if you gained weight. But when you're the person who's gained weight, you're thinking like, oh my God, they know. They know I gained three pounds. And they can tell. They can tell that these pants are just a little bit tighter than they were last week. Or they can tell that maybe I don't have my jeans buttoned today because they're just a little snug. (laughs) And really, like, no one knows. No one is looking so closely at the like outline of your sweater over your belly area to notice if your jeans are unbuttoned or not. And I'm using that as an example because I routinely unbutton my jeans because I wear so much spandex and stretchy pants stuff that I cannot handle jeans buttoned on me. I think it's so uncomfortable. So I always like 
anytime I'm sitting down with jeans on, especially at the end of a meal, I'm like, hold on, guys, I got to unbutton. But if I felt really insecure about that, I would be really worried and be like, oh my gosh, can they all tell that I just unbuttoned my pants? I just make an announcement now. Like, I'm like, I don't even care. But I'd like to invite everyone else at the table to also unbutton their pants and have a little relief. So now I want to talk about how this plays into the holidays because we make up a lot of stories in our heads around the holidays. And some of them are totally true. Like some of them are legitimate. There are definitely reasons and boundaries to be had and put in place around the holidays in order to ensure that you can have a really enjoyable time. So first I want you to think about what are your top priorities for the holidays? Like what is your top priority with Thanksgiving? What are your top priorities with Christmas and the new year? And for most of us, our top priority is our own little family unit. So like my top priority is my time with Vince and Vinny, our little unit of three. So what can we do to make that the best possible? So I will tell you the last couple years, for many years, we went down to Oregon for Thanksgiving to visit family, which was a great tradition. We loved it. But we traveled a lot for Thanksgiving and Christmas multiple years in a row. And so then I think it was two years ago, I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to be here for like every holiday or maybe it was last, I guess it was last year. I was like, I just want to be here the whole time and like not go anywhere. And it was fine. It was fun. But I also, I missed seeing everyone. So we had this boundary last year. We were like, we're not traveling for the holidays. And we just put up that boundary with people and we weren't really apologetic about it. And people might've been hurt. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I didn't even really think to like over explain it too much. But then this year we were like, Hey, Oregon family, we want to come back to Oregon and see you for Thanksgiving. And they were very excited about it. And then it occurred to me, I was like, maybe they were offended last year. We didn't come. I don't know. And same thing with Christmas, we're going to go see my mom and do some stuff with my mom's with like my extended family over there. So we're going to have two holidays with extended family this year, which is totally the opposite of last year, which will be really, really fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it. But that said, there's been times when I've had to put boundaries around holidays. There's been times when we've prioritized our little unit of three. The first year, like I did not spend Christmas with my mom for the first time ever when Vinny was one, because I had to make a boundary around like, I have spent every single year, every single Christmas with you. And now I'm married and I have a baby. And we are prioritizing something else to make it fair for my husband's side of the family one time. And we did it one time. We didn't do it again. I mean, and it was great. And we did it the one time. It was totally fine. But there had to be a boundary. And sometimes that's going to be hurtful for people. And sometimes people are going to have to adapt to that. And sometimes negotiating that boundary or negotiate isn't even the right word. Sometimes working around that boundary and through that boundary and putting that framework there is going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. But ultimately, you have every right to do that. And I'm especially speaking to those of you who are obligers and people pleasers. It is really important for your own joy and sanity that you have these boundaries in place and that you decide how you're going to prioritize your time spent over the holidays so that you maintain your energy in the best way possible so that you make the memories that you want to make and so that you truly get to create the magic that the holidays are all about. Here's a couple do's and don'ts. I don't want you to apologize. I don't want you to shrink. And I don't want you to overexplain or stretch the truth or tell white lies to accommodate someone else's feelings. So I'm going to give an example around this. When you decide to tell someone, hey, so we're not going to be able to spend Thanksgiving with you. That doesn't need to be a big apology. It doesn't need to be a grand thing where you make yourself feel like crap over it. 
it doesn't need to be anything that you over explain and like stretch the truth by telling like this long grandiose story about the 18 reasons why you can't share Thanksgiving together. It can be super, super simple. So what we're tempted to do, especially for people pleasers, is we're tempted to make this into a big thing. And that's not necessary. First of all, if people have ruined your holidays in the past, and that's the reason you're creating this boundary, they don't deserve that. They don't need that. You have every right to just be very clear, concise, and firm. Now, there's often times where you're like, it's not about them, you know, anything bad happening in the past or someone having like poor behavior or inappropriate behavior at family occasions. It might just be that like, we don't want to run around to three places on one holiday to accommodate everyone. And that's okay too. still be firm, be clear and be concise. So you could say, hey, we're not going to be able to make it over on Thanksgiving this year but we really want to see you sometime over the holidays. How about a family brunch the Sunday after or the first Sunday of December or whatever? So suggest some sort of alternative. So therefore you're not like blowing them off. Now only do this if you want to do this. You don't have to do this, but you're not blowing them off. You're offering an alternative and offer like two options if you want, but not more than that. Not like, Hey, let me know what works for you. Like, Hey, we'd love to still see you. How about brunch on the sixth or dinner on the ninth? Something like that, like two options. Now, if it's something where you really need to break a tie because it's been harmful for you to be around certain people on the holidays, then that conversation can be even more firm and even more concise and even more brief with less explanation and definitely no offer on the other side of it. So, hey, we're actually choosing to spend Thanksgiving we're choosing not to come down for Thanksgiving or come over for Thanksgiving. You don't even have to tell them what you're doing. I was just reading this great book called Scene, and I'm hoping to get the author of the book, Leah, on the show to do an interview. But she talked about celebrating Thanksgiving with her alcoholic mom and stepdad for like every year of her life into her 40s and every year them getting drunk and every year her and her sisters all ending up in a fight and crying and every year just this total chaos and drama and trauma. And it took her getting into her 40s and having a daughter. And her daughter wasn't even super young. Like her daughter had had to endure this as well for a number of years. She finally set a boundary at one point that was like, we're not coming on Thanksgiving. And it occurred to her like, I don't owe that to these people that I basically have an abusive relationship with. Like they choose to get drunk they choose to treat us poorly. And this has happened every year of my life for as long as I can remember. So if you're in a situation like that, the boundaries need to be extremely firm, extremely clear, and extremely brief. So like one sentence via email, like this is not a phone conversation with like an explanation and a huge conversation. Super simple. Super, super simple. Because here's the thing, especially if you're dealing with people who have manipulated you in the past or think that you owe them something, they will want to engage way more and you don't owe that to anyone. So make sure that you understand what you're up against and whether it's just that like there's too much family and we don't have time to see everyone. And if it's that kind of a boundary versus a boundary that's more about this is dysfunctional and inappropriate. And I'm not going to subject myself or my kids to this. So those are two really different things, but they can both be treated similarly in that 
You set firm, clear boundaries. You keep statements really neutral, not emotional. So you don't have to launch into like, we're not coming because for the last three years, we've all ended up in tears and you and dad drink too much. And like, no, none of that. Just like, we're not able to make it. And that it can be left at that. So really, really neutral statements. Because if you get it, let it get emotional, then you've gotten yourself into a whole nother situation that's going to take a lot of energy and you don't want that, right? So in alignment with that, then you're not going to shrink or apologize. You're not going to say, Hey, I'm really sorry that we can't come. Now, it might be that you have a great relationship with these people and there might be a reason for an explanation. There's not a reason for an apology because you don't need to apologize for prioritizing your family time or the way your family wants to use its energy or its resources over the holidays. So you don't need to apologize. You might say, hey, we're not able to make it. We've decided to stay home this holiday. We've decided to do X, Y, Z. We've decided that we want to just be our family of four, whatever. You might want to offer a little bit of an explanation if that feels good to you and feels appropriate in a situation where you have not been manipulated in the past. So this is in a non-manipulation situation. And then in that situation, you might offer a little bit of an explanation, but you don't need to apologize because as soon as you apologize, you're shrinking and you're opening the door for someone else to have a say in your emotional capability in this situation. So I want you to be really clear around the stories that you tell yourself and the ladder of inference that you climb when it comes to the holidays. Because I think a lot of you probably build things up in your head to where like you feel like you can't get out of something because it's going to take so much energy and struggle to get out of it. It's not worth it. Or the boundaries are going to be too hard to implement and too uncomfortable or too awkward. And in reality, it might not be that way. And in reality, it might be relief for multiple people. And in reality, this is really good practice for you to set good boundaries and to be assertive and to be a good advocate for your family and to learn how to get what you want in simple ways. So be really clear on the stories that you tell yourself, because often the stories we tell ourselves around the holidays are like, well, but it's my mom and I need to be there. It's my dad and I only see him once a year. It's my so-and-so and they'll be all alone otherwise. That's not on you. So be really clear that other people's holiday baggage and other people's stories are not your responsibility. And so make sure that when you place a boundary, you are doing that to protect your family, not to accommodate someone else's feelings. All right. So with that said, I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you learned something about the ladder of inference and how it impacts your life. I know this was so eye-opening to me. So shout out to Jessica Butts and the Front Seat Life event for bringing this to light because it really impacted the way that I saw so many stories that I tell myself. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts. 
where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.